Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. The Nug. Yes, it's a Yiddish word of the day today. Gnug, G-E-N-U-G. It's the nothing personal word of the day for this Monday. Gnug means enough. As in, it's enough. As in, I've had enough. This weekend, I saw a bunch of pictures of football players, including some Dallas Cowboys. They were working out and standing arm in arm for a photo showing that they had just worked out. I want to be clear what my issue is with this. And why my word of the day is gnug, as in what my mother used to say to me when I'd been talking too much. Gnug, it's enough. I understand that athletes need to stay in shape. I understand the football season. In theory, training camp starts in July. We've already told you that's likely to be delayed in my way to see of nothing personal. I understand how hard it is to be quarantined and isolated I understand that you want to be out and working out and be with your friends and family, not just on Zoom. I get it. But here's the deal. If you're an athlete and you so badly want your sport to start, then help us help you. Help me help you help us. The way you can help me is by not doing what you think you should be doing to raise our spirits. Because what will raise our spirits is you competing between the lines. What will not raise our spirits is any further delay by any of the COVID idiots or anybody else out there who is not paying close attention to what we need to do to flatten the curve. I've said it till I'm blue in the face. I'm here to talk about everything. I'm going to worry. I have a lot of sports to go through. There is a tinge of coronavirus over all sports right now because that's what's going on in the world and sports reflects the world. I get all that. But when you're making a decision about what to do and then what to post, here's two things you should do that were rules given to me when I first started on social media not too long ago. Number one, T-B-Y-P, T-B-Y-P. It's not WWDD, it's T-B-Y-P. Think before you post. Think before your post is a very important thing because you have to understand how are people going to react because you as an athlete, we're looking at you. Even if you are not an athlete, even if you have 100 followers or a million followers or 100 million followers or 10,000 followers, people are looking, things get retweeted. People look at your Instagram, your TikTok videos. Be the leader, set the example. Because when you're out there taking pictures of your workouts and then being together, wouldn't it have been better if you're Dak Prescott, if you are doing a workout, maintaining social distancing, then posting a picture of everyone six feet away post-workout? I wouldn't have as big an issue with that. Please, Gnug. Bring, bring. Oh, it's time for one of my rings. 
Hold on. This is it. This is a good part. If you're listening, by the way, we did the we did the bonus pod this weekend. If you haven't downloaded it, it's a mailbag mailbag. It's a mailbag pod that was available Saturday when you went to Apple Podcasts, gave me a five star rated and then wrote a review and asked a question. I answered it. I couldn't get to all of them, but it was a pretty fun episode. I thought I'm going to do it again at the end of this month. First Saturday of May will be the April bonus pod. So please. Please ask me some questions. I love answering. And thanks for rating, reviewing, downloading. And of course, as Debo would say, tell a friend. Okay. Something happened over the weekend that was well worth discussing here on Nothing Personal. And any good segment on Nothing Personal starts with... Hello, is Commissioner Manford there? Uh, yes. Uh, please hold for President Trump. Hello, is Commissioner Silver there? Yes. Please hold for Mr. Trump. Commissioner Goodell. Commissioner Gary Bettman of hockey. Hello, Commissioner Kathy Engelbert of the WNBA. Hello, Jay Monahan of the PGA. Could you please hold for the President of the United States of America? Hey. Bill France of NASCAR. Hold, please. We've got the president. Don Garber? Yes, Don Garber. You were invited. Of course you were. Major League Soccer as a team in Miami. Hold, please, for the president. Um, Dana? Dana, you want to be on the call? Hold on. I've got the president for you first, Dana. Hey, Dana. Uh, yes, Mr. President. Uh, Dana, I'm doing a call of all the sports, all the commissioners, I just I think you should be on. You've been so good to me and you've been putting on these events and you don't you're just we want to be on the call. Yes, but no way convince McMahon be on this call. All right, Dana, hold on one second. Hey, hey, should we have Vince on the call? What do we do? We got to have Vince on the call. He's the WWE. They're doing an event. It's an unbelievable thing. It's going to be this weekend. It's huge. There won't be six feet, but Gronk is going to be there. All right. Hold, please. Hold. Dana, I got no choice. He's doing an event. Don't worry. I won't let him talk. Okay. All right. Hello, Vince McMahon. Yes. Please hold for President Trump. Okay. Hello, this is President Trump. I've now got you all. These are all the commissioners of all the sports. And of course, Vince McMahon. I want to start this call off by saying thank you, Vince. I pre... No, no. Dana. Dana, it's not private, the Zoom chat. No, if we're recording the call, you can see the private chats on Zoom. I know you didn't say everyone. It was just to me, but everyone's going to see it. Yes, I'm going to see it. Yet He can't talk. I want to thank you again very much, Vince. I really do appreciate it. And all of the commissioners, listen, I know we are having a tough time. Everybody here. But let me tell you, the market is going up. Things are looking positive. We're flattening out that curve. We're taking malaria medicine. But tell me, tell me right now, what are we doing about the seasonal workers? You start, Commissioner Manford. Well, President, we have uh, $30 million we've set aside, $1 million per team, plus the union, we did a $1 million, but teams are doing more. The San Francisco Giants did a million and a half. We've got players. Justin Verlander did his entire paycheck. Oh, yes, I saw that. He was with that model. No, no, not the not the COVID model. He was he was. Yes, of course, I know models. That was Kate Upton. No, 
Yes. No. I know. Yes. He didn't do his paycheck as though he were getting paid 30 million a year, but he's still doing his whole paycheck. Mr. President, that's a very big deal. We want all players to step up and they are. We've been we've been the leader. Uh, Gary, what do you have to say? Well, President Trump, I must tell you that from a hockey standpoint, our whole revenue is based on the postseason. So if we have to go to North Dakota, we're going to go to North Dakota. But rest assured, we've got to have a postseason. Uh, thank you, Gary. That, that, that's all. Adam, tell me about tell me about the NBA. What? How's LeBron? Good. Yeah. What about did anyone fire Daryl Morey yet? You, you didn't. All right. I'm sure it'll happen because the Rockets, I was watching the game the other day and that guy Harden, he's got a beard like Samson. Yeah, no, I understand. Mr. President, the NBA has tried everything. We're looking at every possible thing. We're trying to be the leader. We want to lead sports back into the fold. No, no, Adam, it's Rob. We want to lead. Hey, guys, we're going to be playing golf like in June. We're leading. Jay, Jay is that you? Yeah, listen, we have a whole plan for golf. We, 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 we're rescheduling every tournament. You know, it's Masters Week coming up. Yeah, Augusta. Yes, I know you've never played there, Mr. Goldberg. But all I'm saying to you is that we want to postpone the Masters. We're not canceling. We think the best time to do it is November. November 9th to the 15th for the Masters, we think. Well, yeah, Roger? Ro Roger, are you there? Uh, yes, Mr. President. R Roger, what do you think about November 15th Masters? Well, I'm telling you, we're going to be playing football on that Sunday. So all I can say is, Jay, that if you're going to do the final round of the Masters on a football Sunday, you best be where. As a matter of fact, I'd like all commissioners on this call, Vince, I'm not talking to you. I'd like all – by the way, yes, Vince, what about the XFL? Moving on. I want everybody to understand that we're not going to have any sports on Sunday, November 15th, other than football. But, but Roger, this is Gary. You know, we can make ice in the winter. And Roger, the, you know, from my standpoint, we have neutral sites. Y yes, it's Rob. Yeah, we can go to Miami. Yes, that is social distancing. We will continue social distancing if we play the postseason in Miami. It'll be brilliant. Okay. Okay, but just understand one thing. Jay, if you want to do the final round of the Masters on November 15th, you better tee off like when the sun rises because I'm not calling up people at CBS and telling them that they've got to cut football to do Masters. They want both. Do, we'll, yes, do the Masters in the morning, then do NFL, then we'll do a doubleheader NFL, and we'll end by pushing it over to do a doubleheader of NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, and then MLB. You've got lights. There's a roof in Miami. We're going to ask you for a 2 a.m. first pitch. That'll be a hell of a November. Anyone else? What else is going on? Listen, I just want to say again to all of the commissioners on this call, I want business back as quickly as can be. I think it can definitely happen by Easter. I mean, by April 3rd. I think by Memorial Day, July 4th is my final offer. I think we're good. Tell me, what are we doing about seasonal workers? Do you need any tax credits? I'm giving out tax credits. Anybody have any? Do you, what are you doing about scheduling? Let's talk to you first, Adam, in the NBA. You guys have been great. What are your, what's your view exactly of your calendar? What do you think? Any more regular season games? No, I, don't, I, I agree. I think you should go right to the playoffs. 
But what we need in our country right now is every team to make the playoffs. So if everyone could look at a possibility of a schedule where every team is in a playoffs, we can make it like March Madness, except it'll be July Madness, September Madness. And Dr. Fauci, I'm with the commissioners and Vince. One second. I believe that we can do a total March Madness. It would be amazing in September. All right. One more question. Just one more. What exactly are you doing about the seasonal workers? Well, well, President Trump, this is again, this is me. This is Adam. You know, Mark Cuban said he's going to take care of everyone. The Utah Jazz just started firing some people, but they weren't seasonal. They were permanent employees. Isn't that better? Well, Adam, aren't you aware that we just passed a $2 trillion stimulus bill? And if you're a small business, then you can apply to get a loan of up to a million dollars. And maybe you guys could apply for a bailout. But to do a bailout, you've got to keep running your teams and your leagues. If you fire anybody, you're not eligible. Oh, yeah, but but uh, uh, this is Adam talking. But but the Utah Jazz, they're owned by la- the group. You know, remember the Miller family and they own a bunch of other things. So they had layoffs across their entire company and they just happened to own the Jazz. Well, Adam, I don't understand. Mickey Arison owns Cardinal Carnival Cruise Lines. He's not laying off people on the heat. What about that guy? Um, um, um. Is uh, burrito? He he owns a bunch of a uh, bunch of casinos and the Rockets. Oh, Frittata, Frittata owns all those things. He's not letting go anybody with the Rockets. It's just the Jazz. All right, I'm going to talk to everyone. I'm going to get Cuban on the phone. Hey, Rob, I meant to ask you, why didn't Cuban ever become a major league baseball owner? Oh, you want to talk about that offline? No, everyone can see our chats. Just answer. Everyone will see it anyway. I didn't want Cuban in baseball. I got enough problems on my hands. You keep Cuban. All right. Anybody have anything else to say? Dana, you want to end this? You want to know how last night went? Yeah. No, of course I'll tell you. So did you see what happened? It was incredible. Did you see what Rob Gronkowski did? He's the winner. It was not fixed at all. It was perfect. It was WrestleMania. Oh, Vince, what? Your microphone's cut off. Okay, Vince, last thing. Dana, that was me. That wasn't you. But the president told me that was my thing yesterday. Anyone else? Because we're about to get done with 40 minutes and I don't have Zoom Pro. Thank you all for being on the call. We will have a statement released as to exactly what happened. Click. And that was the call between commissioners and the president. But here's a question. Where was the NCAA? Do you know the amount of money the NCAA pours into the economy, the broadcast economy, between March Madness? Do you know what Mark Emmert was doing during this call? So let me tell you what it was like for me on the playground when I was growing up, because I was always small. So they're playing like kill a carrier. Kill a carrier is a game where someone has the ball. It's like rugby without rules. And you literally try to kill it. Actually, it's not literal. That's I, I, Please apologize. It's figuratively killing the carrier. It can't be literal. You're not killing anyone. You're just tackling. 
And I was so small and I was so scared to do it that I would just sit outside sort of the recess like watching and I would be sitting with the girls or talking or sitting with the other smaller students of which I was the smallest. And uh, I wanted to be so badly in that game. And what I would do is once in a while, I would tip my toes in the water of kill the carrier. I'd play once or twice and I would first start by not taking the ball at all and just pretending I was getting involved and just roughing it up, lack of social distancing, just so I could go home a little sweaty, a little dirty, a skin knee would be a dream come true because I could go to the nurse, get some extra attention. But then one time I got the ball. And when I got the ball, I didn't know what to do with it. But that feeling of wanting to be a part of something when you're not, I know that feeling. And if you think Mark Emmert of the NCAA wasn't feeling that during the call, seen on his Twitter feed, the fact that everyone else was invited. Now, if he had been invited but had been busy, he would have released something or leaked something. Hey, I was invited, but I was busy. I couldn't do it. But who's too busy to do a conference call with all the top commissioners? You want to be in the room where that happens. It's disappointing. I don't know who's advising the president. You got to have Mark Emmert on that call. The NCAA matters. And what came out of that call, though, and this is now serious, is critical. There is no timeline right now. We know that. So that call was meant to just give a status report, an update. You may have thought I was joking about seasonal workers, but I wasn't. The interplay between the different commissioners I was obviously joking about. I assume you got that. But the question is, what are all teams doing? What are leagues doing? And the truth is, they're all doing the best they can. They're all trying to figure out what is the best way. The NBA has come out with all sorts of possibilities, from playing a tournament in Vegas to figuring out if they can just play in one area. Baseballs, are they going to play only at spring training facilities? Hockey is starting to look at North Dakota, as you heard on the call. Because everyone is fighting right now with themselves about how to possibly calculate what will be the long-term impact to revenues. And the long-term impact to revenues are not just measured the way some people are saying through gate and how many people go to games. The long-term impact is weighed through many more things. TV revenue. The supply chain in baseball or basketball or all sports, not just of goods and services, but of players. Do you know that every, if there's no year of Little League, this sounds crazy, I know. But do you know that if you miss a year of development in any sport, you don't get that year back? Will there be a lesser quality of play a decade from now, seven years from now, five years from now? What will happen to the careers of people like a LeBron James who could lose a chance to win a title? We've talked a little bit about legacy on this show. We've talked a little about what it would mean to have a season canceled in these really unprecedented times. So everyone is trying to figure out a way to play as many games as possible if you're MLB, trying to figure out a way to get back to playing if you're NBA or NHL, and trying to figure out a way to start on time if you're the NFL. And what commissioners have to do is listen, because if anyone is tone deaf, the way I've accused Roger Goodell of being tone deaf, if anyone is tone deaf, they're going to pay the price. Have you been watching any commercials on TV recently? All the commercials have changed. They're all about being together. They're all about helping out during this pandemic. They're all about healthcare workers and delivery men and women and people who are putting their lives and health on the line and not seeing their families and not doing anything other than providing services for those of us who are fortunate enough to be quarantined. 
We've got to figure out a way to take care of those people. Sports will be last. I was shocked today, absolutely shocked today when the PGA and and golf, and really I I didn't see his name, but it must be Jay Monahan, came out and said, we've got new dates for the U.S. Open. We've got new dates for the Masters, new dates for the PGA Championship. This was Masters week. I get it. Listen, I work at CBS, Viacom CBS. I guarantee you I understand the significance of the Masters. I also guarantee you there was no way the Masters would be played now, but why reschedule it to a date certain? The reason they gave in the announcement, they are moving the Masters to November 9th through 15th. People on Twitter and everywhere are excited. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. The problem is we don't know if that's a light at the end of the tunnel or if it's the light at the front of an oncoming train. We just don't know. So the announcement should have been very simple. While this is Masters Week, let me tell you what Augusta is doing. Number one, we have started a fund of $2 million. They announced it last week. I would have liked it this week. I'm glad they did it. Unbelievably generous. We've announced a fund where we're going to take care of the people whose jobs and livelihoods depend on the tournament going on. Then we are going to do everything in our power to be ready so that when we can return to playing golf and delivering the sport that you love in a safe manner, that we can do it. And we're going to try to do it in 2020. I absolutely recognize that the British Open, it's just called the Open, I think. You're supposed to call it something. I think the Open Championship, just the Open. Coca, what are people supposed to call the British Open? Can't hear them. This is what he does when he gets quiet, right? When he doesn't know. And then he types in big letters, the open. (laughs) So the open was not postponed. It was canceled. So I understand Augusta should go on to say that we're going to do everything in our power not to cancel, but only to postpone. We are looking at dates now. We're working with all the stakeholders and we will have an announcement as soon as we can. The PGA Championship could have done the same exact thing. But they went even a step further, a step that is so shocking to me and disappointing because it gives people false hope. I want people to be focused on real hope. And the real hope comes with doing what we have to do to get this pandemic over with. But the PGA Championship schedule for San Francisco, California, has been moved to August 6th through 9th. August 6th through 9th. You're sure that in San Francisco that we're going to have the ability to test everyone, players, caddies. What about broadcasters? We've talked about what it means to put on a sport with no fans. You can say we're going to have golf with no gallery. Does that mean no security? Does that mean players don't walk together? Does that mean there's always six foot social distancing? Are we sure social distancing will be done by August? Are we sure that it'll be okay to do you know what it takes to televise a golf tournament? How about, do you know those pictures you get of the golf ball traveling? Those come from TV towers that get built. They don't sit there the whole time. They get built by men. Construction is being stopped all over the country right now. Do you think when construction starts that the first thing we need to start constructing is TV towers? I recognize the importance of sports. Of course I do. But we've got to make sure that we open in an organized fashion when business opens again. Sports needs to work with other businesses to figure out the best way to unveil normalcy again, to figure out what that new normalcy will be, because that is selfish of me to say, because it's business. 
That will help the value of my team. If I'm the president or owner of a team, the last thing I want to do is offend anybody. If I'm running a PGA tournament, I don't want to make one mistake. I want to do it in an organized fashion. And there's a way to do it. But it's not today. We don't know. (sighs) Okay. The 82-game preseason is in the books, and it's finally time for the real season. Don't miss out on any of the NBA playoff action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. From the play-in tournament through the finals, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered with same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. From what you've seen so far, do you think they'll be a first-time winner of the NBA championship? If the Pacers... Clippers, Suns, Magic, Pelicans, or T-Wolves win, you win at plus 650. That's six teams to root for, six chances to win. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's code SAMSON, only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quite in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. So you want to talk to Samson. The thing about so you want to talk to Samson is this. It's a segment I do, and I try to answer sports questions. I try to answer any questions that anybody wants. All you do is follow me on Twitter at David P. Sampson. And then what you can do is go into my DMs and ask a question. I appreciate all the questions. There have been a lot. And I get to as many as I can. I respond to as many as I can. Please don't be offended. But I got one over the weekend, I believe. And it was not really sports related, but I found it to be so interesting. And I think it's so helpful to talk about. One of the questions that I get asked a lot in speeches I give or meetings I have with people is they ask me about interviews and how to interview. And I did a segment on that, how to how to do an interview on a previous nothing personal. I did a segment on questions that can be asked of you and what you can ask. But I did leave one out. And here was the question that is now asked of me today on. So you want to talk to Samson? You have spoken about what not to do or say in an interview, but something I personally have struggled answering in interviews is not, quote, where do you see yourself in five years, close quote, but, quote, what are you looking for in compensation? Question mark. I just want to know the best way to answer that question, and then I'll stick with that one answer and have confidence in it. Well, thank you. That's absolutely a great question. What do you do when you're interviewing and your interviewer says to you the following? Here's the role play. 
I will be the interviewer and the interviewee. I will be asking the question of myself. When I ask the question, I'm going to do it with great gravitas, like somebody interviewing who's been there for 15 years. When I answer, I'm going to be just sort of a younger guy. I really don't have great answers because I don't have a ton of great experience. I'm also going to answer as though I'm a mid-level executive with a middle amount of experience. And then I'm going to answer as though I'm a veteran who's looking for a new opportunity who's at the top of his profession. So here we go. So, Mr. Sampson, so see, I, I messed up the real cut. Take two. So, Mr. Sampson, tell me, in this job, what are you looking for in compensation? I've studied very hard to answer this question because there's three different ways I could answer. If I tell you a number that's lower than what you have in mind, then you're going to go ahead and think that that's what I think I'm worth. And you're going to think that you're getting a bargain to pay less than you've budgeted for this job. If I tell you exactly what you're willing to pay me, then I know very well that'll be my salary. And frankly, I believe I deserve more. But if I tell you a number that's way higher than you have budgeted, I know very well that you are going to think, wow, he's unrealistic. He has no understanding of how to answer that question. So really, when you ask me what I'm looking for in compensation, that should be a rhetorical question. There is no way for me to answer because two things are true here, sir. The first one is, you know exactly what your budget is and what you can pay for the position that I'm interviewing for. I can tell you that no matter what you offer, I want this job because I know that I will be better than anyone else you could possibly hire. And I know that after a short period of time, you will look at my compensation and realize that you should have paid more, that I deserve more. And you'll have no choice but to pay me more in the coming years. So the trap that I don't want to be put into is giving you a number thinking that I can measure my self-worth to you. I know exactly what this job is. I applied for it. You wrote a perfect job description. I know what the skills that I've outlined, not just in my resume, but here today, fit exactly with what you need. I know the reason that you want someone else in, fill in the blank, sales, marketing, finance, baseball, basketball, whatever it is. I know the reason why you need somebody is that you are looking to improve your efficiencies. You are looking to improve your bottom line. And furthermore, you're looking to look better for your boss and your boss's boss. I can do that for you. I will help you do that. I need you to give me a number that you think I'm worth to you. And if you tell me you want me to volunteer, I'm going to tell you that my time is worth more than that. If you're going to tell me that you're going to pay me below what I know other people are getting paid in this company who do the same job that you're asking me to do, I'm going to tell you that I'm going to think about it. And the reason I'm going to think about it once you offer me the job is I am so confident in my ability to do this. If you give me a number that was more than I expected, I'm going to do my best to play poker not to let you see that. I'm going to do my best to not let you see my face of excitement. I thank you for asking that question, and I respectfully submit to you that I can't give you a number, but I can certainly respond to the number that you give me. So, please tell me, Mr. Sampson, what are you looking for in compensation? Well, my last job, I was, had a low six-figure salary. 
And the reason why I'm no longer at that job, I've told you before in this interview, is that it was not a good fit. And the reason it was not a good fit is I was not permitted with the people around whom I was working to fully extend my talents to the company and help the bottom line of the company as much as I knew I could. If you call the references that I've told you, you call people as to why I'm no longer at that, at that job, you'll hear the exact same thing. By the way, if you've been fired, it goes like this. Yes, I deserve to be in the low six figures. And yes, I know that I was let go of my previous job. It's right here on the resume. I'm not hiding behind it. There was a difference of opinion between my supervisor and myself as to the best way to make the company as profitable as possible. The feeling was I didn't properly communicate what it is that I was doing or could be doing or should be doing. But I can tell you something that in this job, in this company, I guarantee you that I will do everything that you think is necessary to improve the bottom line in this company. And I won't be afraid to speak up and tell you what I think. But if you disagree, we'll do it your way because you are my boss. And why do I think I deserve to make in the small six figures? Because that's what I was making at my previous job. And I know that my skill set fits exactly with this company. I know my skill set is exactly what you are looking for when you're interviewing. You can stop interviewing today and I can start tomorrow. That's how you'd answer if you are in a uh, sort of mid-market job. Another question would be, what happens when you're interviewing to be like the president of a team? And you want to and you feel like you should be making more money or really, let's just take it now when you are doing a job where you know exactly right what people are making at all levels. The way that works is when you know what levels of payment are, when you know what commissions commissions are, let's say if you're a salesperson or, you know, in companies what entry level marketing people make or if you're in Hollywood, you know, what production assistants make you have an idea because you've got friends and you've done your homework, you've done your research. It is okay when you're asked the question about what it is that you're looking for in compensation. You can always say, I'm looking for what is fair to someone with my experience and skill set. The reason why you can say I'm looking for something that is fair given my level of skill and experience is that you again are going and not violating my initial principle, which is do not give a number under any scenario. So you want to talk to Samson? I hope that was helpful. That is what you do when asked, hey, what are you looking for in compensation? Okay, so I got a review and uh, I did a lot of binging this weekend and um, there were a couple of things I'm going to review. And the first thing I'm going to do is to remember that I did a uh, yesterday or Friday we actually had a had a, uh, a trivia question, and my trivia question was, "Who is the actor?" It was a song called I can't even remember what the trivia question was. Coca, what was the trivia question? Do you have any recollection at all? Seriously, do you? Okay, I didn't think you did. All right, here's the deal: we have a winner because we did have a winner. Except we're going to wait till tomorrow. We're going to get all the facts because. I'm going to tell you the truth because it's just business. Here is my feed on Twitter with all sorts of DMs and questions. And I completely in my rundown, which is written here and on my iPad, I'm, I'm showing a notebook now and on my iPad, 
I absolutely did not write this down. And Coca just reminded me 10 seconds ago. We spend so much time discussing each show. We go through topics. We look at them. We think about them. We think about what we're doing, where we're doing it, how we're doing it. And wouldn't you know it, in the middle of a show, while I'm doing a segment, he says, don't forget to call out the winner of your trivia question from Friday. Hey, Coca, I really appreciate the heads up. I appreciate the advance notice. I appreciate the lack of information in that reminder. But you can bet your bottom dollar that you will be recognized tomorrow. And you know who you are. I just don't. So I watched Unorthodox this weekend, binged it, all four, all four, not seasons, what are they called? Episodes. Unorthodox was a trending, is a trending, limited edition series on Netflix. It is about a woman, it's a true story about a woman who is in a Hasidic community, that's an ultra-Orthodox Jewish community, with the hats and the long black coats, the women who wear wigs and cover their knees, I'm a conservative Jewish person. There's reformed, conservative, modern Orthodox, ultra-Orthodox, Hasidic. But this is not a story necessarily about Judaism. This is a story that is loosely based on a woman named Deborah Feldman. Deborah Feldman wrote a book called Unorthodox, colon, The Scandalous Rejection of My Hasidic Roots. Love you, Coca. And what's interesting about the book and the movie is this. You don't have to be Jewish to watch it. Now, it's in Yiddish, and I speak Yiddish. Did you get my word of the day? Genug, that's Yiddish. When I use a ton of words, I, I say every month, Gedanishtik, right? There's a lot of Yiddish that I speak. By the way, there's nothing better than having your African-American president of baseball operations speak Yiddish. Mike Hill, a shout out, because he learned so much Yiddish in the 17, 14 years. It's been 17 years in the 14 years we worked together, right? Yiddish, it's great. The words are used. So this movie has a lot of subtitles. There is some English, but it's the story about what a woman does when she feels so oppressed and so trapped. What do you do? How do you get out? They make it seem like a cult, which it's not. They make it seem like good fellows, which it can be. They make it seem like there's no way out. But there is, but it takes courage. The lesson is that if you're unhappy or you feel oppressed and you feel like there's no way out, this woman, Deborah Feldman, went to a foreign country with nothing. She used people to help her escape. The irony is she had a goy help her escape. The irony is that she went to Berlin. The most interesting part of this four-part series, the most interesting scenes in this four-part series, of unorthodox is when she's in Berlin and there's a discussion about what Berlin is. It's the place where a million Jews died as part of the 6 million Jews who died in the Holocaust during world war two. And she's finding life in a place where so many people found death. She's finding rebirth in a place where so many people could no longer exist. It was perfectly acted. It is slow when it needs to be slow. It is mind-numbing to your senses when it needs to w shake you into what's going on. It's an example of what it is to learn about people who aren't like yourself and to feel as though, wow, they've got the same problems I do, the same issues. They need the same solutions. Unorthodox is extremely worth your time. It's on Netflix.
<sighs> okay. ML Beer Challenge, day 22. I'm getting a light. So a shout out to Will Manso, who is uh, a very accomplished Emmy Award winning member of the media here in Miami. Uh, you may know, ran a marathon with him, his first ever marathon. He never said he could do it. He did it. We ran it in Montreal. He is uh, uh, now reporting and doing everything from home, much like I am with this makeshift studio. By the way, do you guys, if you can see, you go, you can follow, you can see this on YouTube on the CBS channel. You can subscribe. You may be doing that. Or if you're listening on Apple, thank you, or anywhere you're listening. But it's also, there is a video part of this. And I'm sitting in a glove chair. It's not a love chair. It's like a glove chair, like a real glove. So, but it's a little dark. So Will Manso posted on Twitter that he just bought a light. And I thought, wow, how amazingly smart to get a light. But I figured, wow, it's so hugely expensive. I went on Amazon, $40, hopefully by the end of this week, because obviously Amazon is delivering necessary items. And while I'd like to think that you all like my beard, I can't say that it is necessary for you to be able to view me in complete light, either here on CBS Sports HQ. However, hopefully by the end of this week, I will have some sort of contraption that I will have no chance of putting together at all. If there's any assembly required, I don't have tools. If there's any assembly required, I have no way of knowing how to do it. So therefore, eh, I'm gonna try. I have no idea what I was telling you about, Will Man. So, except I wanted you to see my beard. That's why. Landed it, Coca. The beard is growing. It's not that itchy. Day 22 of the Beard Challenge, in case you've forgotten, the Beard Challenge is where we're given $1,000 a day for the first 30 days of no baseball to every team's foundation. 1000 every major league team for them to use when they have their next conference call with the president as an extra $1,000 they're doing and using to help with seasonal workers or anyone who has been hurt or impacted by coronavirus COVID-19. Why am I doing it through team foundations? Because you should too. If you go online, go to their team website, each team website, you can donate to the team foundation and it works. So my three teams are the Phillies, Pirates and Cardinals, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Saturday was the Pirates. Pirates are a team, and they get criticized so much. They get criticized for their payroll as much as we did in Florida. The owner, Bob Nutting, gets criticized as much as we did in Florida. I've known Bob, Bob Nutting. He's a good guy. He wants to win. That is for sure. He has the single most beautiful ballpark in baseball. The first time I was lucky enough to see PNC is when I was – uh, first got into baseball when it first opened and we went to tour ballparks on the hopes of building one one day somewhere. And what struck me was how beautiful Pittsburgh is as a city. And I remember the first time I walked in and I walked along the outfield and I walked to see the bridge to get into the ballpark in the ballpark area. It occurred to me what sports means to a community and what sports can mean to a city. If you have not made it to Pittsburgh, uh, you should try an amazing city, an amazing ballpark and give your team a chance. You've had some good memories. Sid Bream, Philadelphia Phillies. I got a Philadelphia story that I got to tell you. I could talk about the team all day. They have a team that, uh, you know, my view of Bryce Harper, they got 12 more years, maybe only 11 to win with him. They've got the best catcher in baseball. They signed McCutcheon to a bad contract, Arietta to a bad contract. I don't think they have a chance to win, but in a shortened season, they may. 
But my story, the Phillies, is about people in Philadelphia. And I want to do a shout out to my former director of team travel. His name is Manny Colon. You have no idea how hard it is to be a traveling secretary in baseball. No idea. Literally impossible. I've spoken on nothing personal about some of the jobs that the traveling secretary has to do. So I was at a game in Philadelphia in the elevator going up to where I was going to watch the game. And I was with a child of mine. And Manny Cologne was in the elevator. And someone walks in the elevator and does not recognize me. And it starts talking in a crowded elevator because it was the Phillies playing the Marlins and starts talking very loudly about his abject hatred of the president of the Marlins, who was me. By the way, I didn't know this guy. It wasn't even a relative. I had no idea who it was. That president of the Marlins, I think his name is like Samson. He is the worst. Can you believe the way he screwed up that team? And this was after the World Series, by the way. Can you believe the way he screwed up that team? This guy is an absolute nothing. Loser. He was going crazy. Meanwhile, I'm standing there totally calm because my child is looking at me. Everything's totally fine. Manny Cologne, the guy gets off the elevator. As he's getting off, I extend my hand to shake the hand, pre-social distancing, and I said, excuse me, I wanted to introduce myself. I'm David Sampson. And the elevator closed. Manny Cologne laughed and then stopped laughing and looked at my child and said, just so you know, your dad is not like that at all. I've never forgotten what Manny said. I've never forgotten what that guy in Philadelphia said. And it's not that I was bothered by what he said. And it was an okay lesson. It's okay for my kid or kids or child or children to hear that. They know what's true or not true in terms of my baseball career and in terms of trying to understand that when you're public, this is going to happen. But wouldn't it be good if you're going to criticize someone to maybe know them first? Wouldn't it be good in a crowded elevator against a team? By the way, I had an ID on that had my name. But if you're going to gossip, right? If you're going to engage in a little lush and horror, don't. Thank you, Manny Cologne. Thank you. Today's team is the St. Louis Cardinals. <coughs> we share, excuse me very much. Thank you. I have to mute. mute. Thank you. Unmuted. We share a facility with the St. Louis Cardinals in Jupiter, spring training. They are a fascinating organization. They make decisions based on what they think is best. They've got what they call the Cardinals way. The one thing I'll say about St. Louis, we all have a way. Not all of us are as successful as you guys. You guys have been unbelievable during my career, but it's like the Patriots way. There's, there's no Cardinals way or Red Sox way or Yankees way. Everybody has a way. So the Cardinals, their way was to sign Ozuna, not offer, offer him a qualifying offer. Then he went, he declined it and left. You're welcome. You're lucky. Their way has gotten them World Series. But the best thing you did in your way and what I want to compliment you for is you were willing to let go of Albert Pujols. He was a, your franchise player, and you knew that signing him to a 10-year, $240 million deal would not help your franchise over the decade, and you had the guts to do it. Bill DeWitt, I've told your story about Baltimore, teaming with Peter Angelos. You now own your own team, John Mozeliak. It is one heck of an organization. We're sending $1,000 your way, St. Louis. 
ML Beer Challenge, hashtag day 22. All right, we end with wait to see. It's a quick wait to see. I did get one thing wrong, and I told you I'll come back to it because I'm accountable. Antonio Brown this weekend was charged with a felony. I said that he wouldn't be. He was for all the stuff he did. I was surprised. My wait to see, though, so I was wrong. My wait to see is this whole PGA championship. Going back to what we talked about earlier on this show. It's not happening May 11th through May 17th. It was rescheduled for August 6th through August 9th, as announced today. Wait to see. It's going to have to be delayed again. There will not be a golf tournament in San Francisco the first week of August. Wait to see. And I recognize, Jay, what I'm saying. But know this. You were on the call. And you know it's just business. It's nothing personal.